Hello, listeners. It is time for the retrospective episode of Fables Around the Table She. Uh, I'm Chelsea, and I'm joined with Josh and Garrett. Uh, howdy, howdy. Hello. Annalise could not be with us. She is too busy being cool and going to concerts of her own. So... <laughs> If it's not a metal concert, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> right? For you know, real? You know it's a metal I, concert. Yes. Or it could be that random one that, that she goes to every now and then yeah. that just isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I'm going to see the Backstreet Boys. Or, Nickel, okay. or Nickelback. Or Nickelback, yeah. Sometimes you just need something to, to keep it yeah. all fresh, you know? <laughs> true, true, true. Um, but we are here to talk about the season now that it is finally all out. Um, I was just remarking to to the guys that for me, from the time I started writing um, the story for that that turned into she, um, I've been working on this for almost an entire year now. <laughs> and the the thought of this being in production for so long and finally being out and finally being public is just like mind blowing to me. Yeah, I actually think it's been about a year since we started recording, because I remember it was after the first episode we recorded it, I started mm-hmm. a new job, and I know I'm coming up on my anniversary there, so you're well, probably, that's... you're, yeah, hmm. you're probably closer <laughs> to two years on this at this point. Uh-huh. It's, it's, I knew as soon as I, like, discovered Morkborg that it was a game mm-hmm. I wanted to run. Um, and I'm happy that this is sort of the way I was able to to do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I this is still the only Morkborg game that I've played, and I, you know, I've I've also got the book. I've also I saw a review for it in the early days when lockdown was a thing, and we all had to work from home, and uh-huh. like ordered it as soon as I could. And have still only played this one game with it, but I'm Uh so, so happy I got to have actually been able to play it and especially play it with all of you guys. Good. Hell yeah. Yeah, I guess that's my first question and maybe it's me like stroking my ego, but like, (laughs) did did you guys actually have fun? (laughs) So this is the hard part, Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it was... This is the part Joss just slammed you into the ground. (laughs) No, I I very much enjoyed it. It's, you know, it like any RPG I get to play with my friends, it is always enjoyable. I know, Garrett, even in ga- your games that you hate thinking about and, you know, from years ago that you thought you were the worst DM ever, I had fun playing those <laughs> games. So for me... Well, it's, I'm glad you did. For, for me, it's any time I can play any RPG, any system, you know, I'm... With my friends, I I enjoy that. Good. I I I I I came into this one being a little more self conscious than normal because this is not like the typical mm-hmm. kind of story I normally tell. Uh, I tend to be more introspective or like very slow, very low stakes. So to do this kind of like big overarching like adventure fantasy story was just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I've, I've played games with Garrett before, but I've never played with, with you, Josh or Annalise. So I was like, oh no, they're going to hate the way I tell the story and it's going to be awful. But I, listening back and hearing it and, and editing it all, um, 
I think there's really this energy we all have together where, mm, like, yeah. the game sounds fun. Like, regardless if we're playing it right or if I'm being a bad GM or or anything that's happening. I Just, like, the fun we're having just sort of, like, explodes from the recordings, I think, which is, like, really, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But... I have some questions to ask you guys about sort of like what you remember about the process of playing Workborg. And one of the things I sort of wanted to start out with is that it's a game that's, you know, clearly different than, than Dungeons and Dragons. And I feel like that's probably what most people sort of either cut their teeth on or are able to relate most games to. Uh, did you find yourselves playing this game differently than you would just your typical like like D and D game? Hmm. Um, so I can say that I I found it a lot easier to kind of throw caution to the wind and just say you know what fuck it we're gonna do whatever. Um, I feel like in D and D I'm actually a little bit more careful with what my characters do because I understand kind of the long term impact that it can have. Mm -hmm. Um, and with something that's in such a time crunch, I feel like, and with something that is so serious and death is such a part of it, I felt like playing into that whole death thing was better, was, was a way to actually be more immersed in the campaign. Like, you know, just kind of let yourself go, let yourself just die to whatever. And it's fun and it's metal and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I would absolutely agree with that. You know, just the the law, like you said, Garrett, that D and D is sort of built around these long term campaigns. And I know that that Morkborg has, you know, the in the rule book. There's like decide how like the pacing of the game, so you can do like what we did, where after every session you roll that D six um, to get the prophecy off the calendar of uh, Necrobell. Or you can do like every week or do milestones and and like there's a lot of variety there. But I think that like with especially with this pacing where it's like we knew from the beginning this is seven sessions and what happens happens. And with the setting especially, you know, being knowing that like death is nothing in this world. Um, so just like doing whatever it takes and like like Garrett said, throwing caution to the wind was I thought a lot of fun. You know, I took a lot more risks and like try I think did things like maybe a little more creatively than I do in in D. &D. Yeah, I, I think that really came across. I know that's something that I sort of noticed even as we were playing. Um that when you guys were being reckless, it didn't feel like out of place or that you were trying to like derail something or you were trying mm -hmm. to Ah, uh, you said the thing. I said the thing. <laughs> Drink everybody. Roll, roll credits. <laughs> um but it it felt very natural and like the extreme actions that your mm -hmm. characters did end up taking were like not out of place or like not that you were trying to throw a fit or not that you were trying to mm -hmm. you know. It it felt very good and natural and yeah. like you were ramping up to the energy of the game. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll sort of follow that up with a, a story about the Waterdeep campaign that Garrett and I were in a couple years ago, 
where I we were getting ready to do a mission. We had to get a potion from somebody. Like we had accepted the mission. They're like, these potions will make this easier. And after I got them, I was walking back to the party and just like on a whim, it's I'm like, I'm gonna toss this to somebody. Just no announcement. Just here, catch. And it missed and it broke. And then like that delay in game delayed us doing that mission by a full week, which like, oh my trans- God. yeah. And well, I made another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I even went back to the person who gave me potions and asked me, asked for more and got laughed out of the room. Um, <laughs> but like that sort of like consequence were like, I legitimately felt bad. And as evidenced by the fact that I'm telling this story, like there were consequences for that negative consequences whereas in this campaign like it felt like that sort of recklessness not not that sort of recklessness as in in that story but like Mm -hmm. just going out on a limb and like just trying to do things to get them done to advance this it felt rewarded more than punished which like i thought was really enjoyable and it was a fun change of pace yeah yeah, that was something that I I don't want to say I struggled with, but that was something I had to sort of reframe my thinking about. Um, because, you know, at the very beginning, there was a lot of, like, not very good roles happening. And then mm-hmm. even, gosh, editing the final episode and hearing Yotna swing the sword mm-hmm. 87 times and miss every time. Yeah. <laughs> um. But even though it was failing, it was like, okay, well, how can I I, I have everybody fall forward, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, falling either sideways or backwards. or yeah. and, and I tried to make it so that when there were consequences for whatever was happening, it, like, wasn't to stop you in your tracks or to halt progress or anything. I wanted the consequences to make it, make sure mm-hmm. that it meant that you guys were still on your way to do whatever, right? Yeah, and that, you know, that absolutely came across. Um, <laughs> like, it, it was very fun to, like, to again, to mess up and not have, have it delay an in-game week. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> like, I, I think you did a very good job of that, and it was very fun. I enjoyed it very much. I know you said you were worried about you stroking your own ego but here i am telling you (laughs) how phenomenal it was but i think like in like in this setting of seven sessions of an hour to an hour and a half like that that's a it's needed and b it's fun for all of us like it's yeah i know that mork borg is like labeled as this um doom metal of a game but right (laughs) but to also be able to have fun with it and like keep things going and like just sort of shrug things off and just keep going is was was fun. I, I know I, that's the word I keep going back to, but it, it's what it was. Yeah. Um, w- with this game in particular, I wanted to do a little bit of like campy horror mm-hmm. um, so that it, it felt good to do that. And it didn't feel like we were being off genre to do stuff um, because with the last season I did with Tiffany, it was so heavy and dark. Like we were constantly like taking breaks to like check to make sure everybody was okay um, with just how heavy it was. 
And with this one being as long as it was, I definitely didn't want it to be so heavy and like just where where we were so like caught up in how bad everything was all of the time that there was like no movement, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and like we did get there at at some points, but like I I felt like it was a reminder. I guess of the situation. Yeah. I, I'm thinking mostly of the episode where um, Ravger and Poltrine dies, mm-hmm. mm. um, because that's that's a reminder, sort of like that. Yeah, anything could happen. You know, you guys are not that strong. You could die at any moment. You know, one false step and oh no, we're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the three of you played that scene so well afterwards, where. Like, the death felt like it had weight, but we were still able to move on in a way that still felt fun and satisfying, mm. at least from, from my uh, perspective. Maybe it was different for you guys. No, no. Much agreed. That that was, I think that probably was my favorite part of the whole thing, On if I had to pick one. It was so good. L- listening mm, back yeah. to it, y- you guys, so... <laughs> You know, we can we can talk about it if or how how good I was at like tell like giving you guys the story. You guys, the way you performed as players, especially for the podcast, was so good and so fun to listen to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I Thanks. I just every time I went into listen and was giving like my final listen to the episodes, it was just like I was always so impressed to to listen to to your performances and just how how fun it is to hear it again right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and i i definitely got that as i binged this to get to get ready for this episode (laughs) well it's been a year (laughs) yeah um i i also had may or may not have had some catching up to do from episode when episode two was first released but that's neither here nor (laughs) there um (laughs) um but like i you know i thought you know sort of from that same perspective i thought Garrett, that you were incredible, that Annalise was incredible, and that I was just like there. So, like, I I don't know if that's just my own insecurity <laughs> as a player, but I thought I did. Oh, it I is. did very average, and everyone else was incredible. I mean, I I think that of myself all the time, so it's quite all right. <laughs> Let, let's we're we're gassing everyone up today, though. Everybody did great. Yeah, I I think with Torben, why you might also feel that way torben was almost like the straight man uh especially compared to nathair's old man kind of yeah, insanity and... <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. uh, the voice was so good <laughs> yes like i i like at the beginning of every episode for nathair's first line it's like oh he's still doing that and it's still great <laughs> like you just like you are like that's I get afraid to do accents. I know I'm doing it in the game you and I are playing right now, Garrett, but I am like always so afraid that I'm just gonna like lose that distinction between in character and out of character and just always go back to talking normally. So the fact that you were able to keep that up for almost eight hours of recording is very impressive to me. Uh-huh. Well thanks, bud. Especially when it's so gravelly like that. Yeah, lots of water. Stay hydrated. Yeah, you're you're a singer. You know how to do all that stuff. Yeah, yelling. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. sure does it. 
Um, so some other questions that I did get in that Ooh. I I desire some answers to. People listened and have questions. Wow. They did, yeah. <laughs> um, so something that was asked is how did the joint create character creation process change your character from your original expectations? And how drastic was that change? Hmm. So I I think this is pointing to, you know, when we sat down for episode yeah. zero, everybody sort of had a concept. And then when we ra- rolled all the random tables and then sort of like, you know, connected you guys together for this, this meetup, um, did what you came to for that original episode zero end up being what your character performed as, I guess. So Nether originally was going to be a snake charmer. Ooh. Um, I don't know how or why I exactly came up with that. Um, I think my original thought was I was going to try and use like some concept of like music to integrate with that. Um, I couldn't really make it work conceptually quite so well. Um, but then I think when we rolled, I got a better idea um, with, I know the death power I think was kind of a big thing. Yeah. Um, and then getting the bird, um, having the animal companion kind of was the plan all along. It was just going to be a snake instead of a bird, uh-huh. uh, an osprey, if you will. I believe that's what Roger that, was. That sounds right. Awesome. That's not, uh, that that is a rather if large only bird. Only someone had recorded <laughs> us describing our characters. <laughs> I know, right? Although it, it is funny that you say that you wanted Nathair to originally be a snake charmer and in the end he gets uh Robger's spine flute. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it kind of came full circle, I suppose. Yeah, that was something awesome. I did not know about at all. So I'm I'm happy that that sort of peaked its way back through. Yeah. Yeah, because I forget what language it's in, but Nether means snake in a language. Oh, I just don't remember which one. I like That's, that. I do the same thing with a lot of my characters, where I pick like this seems like an important noun. Let's now let's pick another language until it sounds like a name. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All <Yep>. reliable. <laughs> For Torben, I don't know that like anything really changed. Like I I knew pretty much from the beginning that I wanted to be a shape changer um and i had have for a long time had an idea for a character that is just the normal person who through some circumstance is is sort of thrust into adventure um i know that that's like a very basic trope but like being able to start that from basically nothing where like in in my mind like torben has only had only been a free man for like a couple of weeks, like not very long. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, that was really the only idea that I came into it with. And when we had initially discussed, like we were going to like use all of those awesome random tables that um, Pella Nelson and the rest of the Morkboard creators came up with. Like I, I Uh sort of like decided like, that's going to be how I decide. I want to like try and come in as a blank slate other than here is physically who this person is. Um, so I didn't really have much of an idea other than I know I want to be this class and here's like their general backstory. 
So a lot of those details that we rolled in session zero um, are what I tried to stick with, except for nihilism, which I, as I re-listened to it, I realized like uh-huh. never came up again outside of um, session zero of my character being <laughs> yeah. in a incessant nihilist. And even like, as we got toward the end, like going completely against that, but yeah, the character felt consistent and like, it felt like it never really needed to come up. Yeah. It, I mean, in some ways you can see it almost as like Torben through having, you know, this new companionship sort of either outgrows mm-hmm. it or realizes it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Yeah. Um, so like I think that's fine. Like I I can sort of see that that through line. Um and honestly, we had a lot of threads from those mm-hmm. tables that didn't get wrapped up exactly. So <laughs> And and honestly, I wasn't expecting to like we tied it up as best as I I I think we could, but a lot of them were going to be resolved in the the final fight with the She-Rex. And then and then you guys walked in and you, the Thayer was like, you know what? What if we didn't have this fight? Boom. <laughs> and killed all my dudes. <laughs> You're welcome. It was so, listening back to that was so funny. <laughs> and just being like, well, I guess I have to figure out what we're going to do now. <laughs> like, I'm so happy it happened and it worked and it was so cool. Like, the moment was so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I love as a a game master when I am thrown off in a way that makes the characters look super fucking cool like that. <laughs> yeah, and especially with like all of those spellcasting mishaps early in the game to be able to like uh-huh. just decimate these people like of the like to start the battle with the big bad was like a very cool arc. Yeah. Yeah. Redemption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- seeing how, you know, the game the game was only, you know, seven sessions, about eight hours of recording. Um to see the growth in the characters in such sort of like a natural kind of way, even though it was very quick, um, was very cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that you guys were able to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and even, like, I thought everyone's arcs were really cool, especially, she's not here, so I'm gonna say nice stuff about her, but especially Annalise and Paltrone, <laughs> like, going uh-huh. from, like, episode one and, like, fear juggling to, like, <laughs> no, like, even though this person wants nothing to do with the situation, like, forcing him, like, to go in and do her bidding, to then, like, um, in the... I think it was episode five where um, Paul Troon and Ravger died. Like the mm-hmm. like yes. legitimate sadness that like, uh huh. I thought Annalise was going to cry when we were recording that. Um, so I like, know. so like oh, even, so, so even that arc, like I thought everyone's was like, everyone was spot on. Everyone like had a very cool and compelling story that, was emotionally engaging for everyone even us like as we played it yeah 
that was something that I was hoping I was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. That's sort of why I tend to like smaller kind of parties like this. I, three is like the sweet spot because mm-hmm. you can sort of like get into everybody's stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody can sort of have feelings about it without feeling like we're missing a lot. Yeah. And like sort of this is just like another thought of like sort of that that emotional like connection. But in episode uh, six, after Ravger died and Mm -hmm. um, we found the dancing necromancer. um, And (laughs) and, um, I transformed into a bird. And like just like took that that like freedom to like fly around. Mm-hmm. Like I was honestly gutted is Garrett as soon as you started reacting to that because I had legitimately forgotten <laughs> like what what uh-huh. had just happened uh-huh. a week before um on, on our recording. Guilt. And Feel like guilt. and you did like such a good job of like driving home like how in character how you reacted that like i legitimately felt guilty and sorry like if like if i (laughs) accidentally kicked gizmo which for people who don't know is garrett's dog like i would have i he is the best boy um (laughs) like i would have feel like i would have that same reaction of oh my god i am so sorry um like it was like for lack of a better word real (laughs) Uh uh-huh Oh, that's so cool. Like, not that you, you had to feel bad and have these yeah. kind of emotions, but that uh, uh, that the game uh, inspired yes. that in you. That's, that's the cool part. Yes. Um, <laughs> so along, along these lines, we had another question. Um, so the question is for the players. Did you feel like you felt any classic, classically negative emotions or any kind of, like, mental health states? Um after the play sessions um this this person says you all did such a good job of being in character and resonating in the world (laughs) oh well thank thank Um, you thank you individual who said that uh they're they're curious if if you had any kind of like lingering immersion or like after we stopped if it was just sort of like this moment of oh all of this emotion has to go away now (laughs) i didn't so i am like one of the things i've come to learn about myself is i am very good at mirroring emotions um like i am able to flip a switch and know like i need to be in this emotional state for this situation um and like i can just like um so like in my old job where i was a reporter like i could be very frustrated and stressed out about something but like as soon as i needed to be like on my a game to do an interview like i could flip that switch and like just shut off and change um change gears mm-hmm. so like i i was personally like pretty i feel pretty set on like okay this is the mindset i am in for um for Morkborg and for recording she and like could shut it off and like there there were probably a couple of times where like I waited a little while before going to bed so I didn't just like lay there with like oh my god that was so heavy um but I think that like by <laughs> and large like I did okay with like not getting stuck in you know that that feeling of impending doom, um, which I think sort of goes back to your, your vision for the game where it's a little bit campy. Like we had fun 
doing all of yeah. this, like listening through. I honestly forgot how often we were joking as we recorded. Oh my gosh. Um, I, we were so yes. funny. <laughs> um, which like made things a lot better. And like, I don't know if this, like, this probably is going to be really sappy, but like tying in with like one of the larger themes of this campaign of, of she is that like friends really do matter. And like, if you have friends, right. like that makes your life better. Um, so like, I like, both personally and in game sort of came away with that so good good <laughs> um i can't say that i had anything come with me i didn't take any negative things with me um as somebody who dms a campaign i kind of can't do that because i am very often very mean and cruel to <laughs> my best friends and my wife uh, <laughs> um and they don't even know the half of the cruel things I'm going to do to them in the future. Just, just um, one, spo- just one spoiler as a treat. Ah, uh, <laughs> nope. I tried. No, sir. Nope. <laughs> you tried. I, you get points. Um, I mean, I guess I, I always kind of tap into myself a little bit in some of these character in pretty much every character I play in some way. Um, most characters that I've played in the past for things have been quote unquote, the leader. Um, cause I, in life tend to be quote unquote, the leader, even though I don't always want to be quote unquote, the leader, <laughs> um, Nether wasn't that, and that was nice, but Nether was kind of the, the, the sad, lonely old guy. And I'm, I can't really say I'm a sad, lonely old guy yet. Some mates, my wife you're, would probably say I'm old, one of those. But whatever. <laughs> I am one of those three. I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like a little bit of myself was in the there, so I just don't know. I don't quite know where, but I can't put my finger on it. But it's there somewhere. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. Um, so something I was kind of cognizant of doing to make sure things wouldn't get super heavy, um, just because after playing. Um, Bluebeard's Bride, which was a very heavy game, a very like introspective sort of like facing your fears all of the time, no kind of room for levity or breaks or anything. Um, I wanted to have more of a jokey tone. Like, I'm really happy that we had so mm-hmm. many jokes or like asides where we were joking and making fun of the situation, um, because I think that helped keep us up from getting into just like just boiling in just sort of like the filth and the despair that sort of is in the setting of of Morkborg. Um, So that was something that I was encouraging and not like trying to stop. When when we would laugh in the middle of the session, it was like such a relief to me that it was Mm. like we're not like losing ourselves in everything that's happening. And because like yeah i i was looking back at sort of like my my bullet points of events i wanted to have happen and it's like okay this person dies this is miserable this is gross this is miserable this person dies and i'm just like oh my god we we laughed the entire time mm-hmm. yeah and, <laughs> and i did very much appreciate um in tom's musical direction like cutting the music for the periods where we're uh-huh. joking um, or like um, some of the instances where like you misspoke and everyone like, inc- 
you included are just like silent for a minute. It's like, no, that's not the right word. But like, Tommy, <laughs> like in that aspect, did like a very good job of like giving the audience a break too. Um, and like being yeah. like, okay, there's no music. Like this is everybody like stepping out for a minute and like having fun because this is, is at the end of the day, a game. So shout outs to Tom. Right. He did great stuff with this. Yeah. Good job, Tom. That's, that's an aesthetic I like to have for my episodes to like separate mm-hmm. the in character and out of character stuff, just to make sure people aren't confused, mm-hmm. especially because I know me for myself, I don't do voices very mm-hmm. well. Uh, I always end up sounding like me. Same. So. Same. It's I. I have a. <laughs> I have my voice. I have a slightly deeper my voice, and I have some sort of British Isles accent. Perfect. Um, but I, for me, I think that's easier for people who like don't have amazing voice talent like garrett to uh have have that separation garrett you were talking (laughs) just a week ago about making a reel you have voice talent (laughs) i I was actually you got me it's you got it's almost like all of our friends are talented (laughs) hey um let me see oh here here's an interesting one um because so we we started off the episode sort of talking about the differences between play between something like D and D and and Morkborg. Um, this question is more about um, playing virtually, like we are, versus a, a tabletop. Did you find that playing at a computer and with all of the recording stuff um, affected the way you performed your character at all? Um. Yes, I have always held firm and I am as old school as old school comes when it comes to this. I hate playing <laughs> on a computer. Uh-huh. Um, I need to be I, I always have that need to be looking at the people at my table and doing my thing. Um, that being said, I feel like it's almost easier to immerse yourself in one character in this isolated room. Right. Um, so... I hope that answers the question more or less that I don't enjoy it necessarily, but I feel like it almost is a bit easier to do um, and to get into that character a little bit more to do the more ridiculous voices. Uh. It's, I don't know. It feels like voice work rather than playing a RPG sometimes, but not all the time. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, for me, I, I'm the same way. I very much prefer playing in person. Um, I've done a couple of um, just by necessity sessions that needed to be virtual um, and didn't mm-hmm. really care for them. And But I didn't have much of a problem with this. So I think that like it might have been that because this was always online... Um, I was Mm. okay with it. Whereas in those campaigns, it was, we were always in person and then someone was sick. Someone might've been, might've had COVID they needed to get tested. So we had had to play virtually. And so like making that shift from in person to, um, to virtual was a bit harder. Um, but I think that by and large, like I adapted okay with it. Um, the only time that I really remember it being an issue in this campaign was when, 
we were debating as a party whether to go to Sarkash or somewhere else. And I just like was completely confused about like where we needed to go, what like on a map, like if we were going to reach one place before another or if we were going to have to go past and double back and like it just threw me off i think that ended up mostly getting edited out thankfully so thank you chelsea for doing <laughs> that and making me look like i knew what was going on uh, but that was really the the only issue that i had the entire time we were playing so i i had a i had another question actually uh, that popped into my head um since yeah. she is not here what were what was everyone's favorite moments with Annalise and Yotna? This is our say something nice and then leave it in as a surprise for oh her my later. God. Yeah. Yotna as a character was so funny. Oh my gosh. She would hit me in, in places where I wasn't expecting it. Yotna would just make some kind of snide comment and it would be so funny every time. Um Aside from, I think, a couple of shorter-lived things, this was Annalise's mm-hmm. first RPG. Um, so I have to give her major props for doing so well in general. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite Yotna moment that I can think of. I mean, I would I, I would probably say Episode 5 um, with Poulter and Steth, actually. I feel like her and I really kind of fed off each other there and did well, yeah. if I had to pick one. No, yeah, this I, I was... Yeah, she was in my uh, Descent into Avernus campaign that was, I think we played like three or four sessions before that petered out. Um, and I, so I'm pretty sure, and I think that's the only thing she's really played. So, you know, for like, I was absolutely awed at like, like I know that like having been a new player myself and seeing other people like try to step into it, like it can be hard to like stay with your character. And there's like lots of like, not always clarity on like, well, are you speaking as Annalise or just to use names? Like, are you speaking as Annalise or are you speaking right. that? I don't think that ever came up. Like she did such a great job of staying in character and like, and not having her character like jump all over the place. Like as she, like she had, it seemed like she had a really clear idea of like, here's who this character is. Here's the tone they have. Here's how they approach things. And like, and she stuck with that and, and grew as a character as well. Like that's like, which is just absolutely incredible to see. Like, even as someone who still feels like they get out of, like do things that are so far out of character that it's like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I didn't see any of that. So like, same Garrett like it it was so much fun to play with her and I I need to find (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. start my own games and and get her get her back back and well because that's part of why I decided to run Avernus was like to get give her a chance to play some D&D games um as far as a moment um like just the I don't remember the episode, but where she gave away the deed to her manor um, that burned down. Like, that's, like, just such a... something I don't think I ever would have thought of. Like, I th- it probably came from, like, her... Um, I think it came from, like, the character creation. And, like, it would have just, like, mm-hmm. stayed, like... It's a piece of paper you keep in your pocket. But, like, being able to, like, use that to diffuse an entire situation um and and resolve a big part uh-huh. of 
uh, Nithair's like trouble um, because you were being hunted down for all these yeah. debts and then giving someone like a lord's manor um, like was just like such a, a brilliant like move that Yotna as a person would have done just this sort of conniving what they don't know won't hurt them sort of move. Yeah. Yeah. Good call out. I I did not know that this was Annalise's like first game. I'm like I, I'm sitting here just like, mm-hmm. oh my god, how? <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. she was so good. I, I loved mm-hmm. that like like Josh mentioned the consistency of the character of, of Yotna was so good. And just like there was mm-hmm. such a subtle gentleness to Yotna that came out more and more as we went along. And I think the way that Annalise handled that was so skillful because when we started off, she was this very hard, cruel kind of character. But towards the end, she gets this this real, like, you can tell she really, truly cares about her party members. And especially after the death of Poltroon, um, she she sort of, like, has this affection for the the other two characters that... I don't think she would have had otherwise. And it, it's subtle and it's good and it's not like it's just dramatic enough where like it's yeah. moving, I think. Um and yeah, it was just good. I mean, all of your characters are so good. I could I could go on forever and ever and ever about how much I love how you guys played your characters and how good they were and just your performances were so good. <laughs> yeah. It was really easy. Well, it you. was really easy to edit when <laughs> when you guys are so good. <laughs> um, that 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 whole fight. So my other favorite moment from the final episode um, is not something that happened in game, but out of game. Sort of like uh, uh, evidence of me being unprepared in a moment <laughs> yes. when you asked me how big a T Rex is, and, and I have I'm, no like, fucking idea. I'm, um... <laughs> Not that anyone listening can see this, but everyone else like keeps their camera off. I'm the only one with my camera on. I just assume that everyone else also started Googling it. I know, Chelsea, you did. I remember I did. I just sort of assumed <laughs> Garrett and Annalise did as well. But like, I also had that realization of like... <laughs> I don't know either. How big is a T-Rex? And as like a for, as like a former dinosaur <laughs> kid, like I had to know. <laughs> yeah. And, Page and Nick. Page and Nick, how big is a T-Rex? Yeah, right. It, it was so funny because I remember thinking it was hilarious in the moment when it was actually happening and going back and listening <laughs> yeah. to it again. It's just like, like oh like my the God. Fun, dumb stuff that happens in all <laughs> campaigns that like make it memorable. I'm I'm glad that that made the final cut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it was way too funny to cut out. I thought, like, I I think it's a little embarrassing on my part, but oh my god, it was so funny being like, <laughs> I have literally no idea. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other like super favorite moments where you got to be really cool, or you thought something else was really cool, or? Nothing I can think of. I think everything's been pretty well pointed yeah. out that I um, got a Monday. I guess um, I know I said earlier that uh-huh. that was my last question, but I've thought of things since then. Um, just um, this is probably aimed more at you, Garrett, than than Chelsea, since Chelsea had had the opportunity had the opportunity to like plan out the ending. But like, what was your reaction to like how things ended with the seventh psalm and like 
in essentially the world ending, like despite everything we had just gone through. Um, it felt hopeless. Hope. Uh, try that again. <laughs> it felt. It felt hopelessly poetic. I think is the best way I can put it. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like it's ultimately reality. Unfortunately, is that no matter what you do. Well, you gonna die. The world gonna end eventually, and here we were. We did everything we could. We died, and the world ended. Yeah, I I had that same sort of of reaction of like, that's it. Like they're they're like it. Just, like after everything we just went through, that that's it. That it 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 was futile. It didn't matter anyways. The world still ends. Um. Which, like, in hindsight, like, after I had, like, sort of processed it and thought about it, was, like, that's the point. <laughs> like, that that was, like, yeah, <laughs> duh, that's it. Um, and, like, so I thought, yes, that uh-huh. same, same thought, Garrett, and I thought it was, like, a very, like, fitting way to end, um, end the campaign. Yeah, I thought... So the way the reason I wanted it to end like that, mm-hmm. I didn't know if you guys were going to live through the fight. Fair. To be honest, uh, before everybody was dead, I was like, "This is going to be very difficult." I'm expecting them to do cool badass things, but if they <laughs> die in the fight, like mm-hmm. that's Mark Borg, that's cool, right? But in in the contingency <laughs> that you guys lived, <laughs> um, where you guys, you know, you have your victory, you escape the the collapsing Colosseum, you kind of like you know, tired, you collapse on the ground in front of, in, in the graveyard again. And I I was like, okay, well, how do I end this? Because, you know, this is our big campy fight where everybody gets to be fun. And, like, it was still very Morkborg the entire way through. But how do I tie it back mm-hmm. to, like, what's in the book? And I thought it ending on this sort of, like, super futile, hopeless note was how to tie it back to mm-hmm. oh but this is still Borkborg. like you can do these big campy crazy fights but at the end of the day mm-hmm. this is Borkborg. <laughs> death comes for you anyhow mm-hmm. yeah. memento mori hey. yeah <laughs> uh but i'm glad you guys sort of like got the ending <laughs> Not that I think it was like don't difficult need, uh, to, to understand, but I, hearing you guys sort of like go through the process, <laughs> analytical literature to understand it. <laughs> yeah. So that that was all the questions I had, and I think I'm for real this uh, time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have gotten to a lot of the the guts of. Uh, our playthrough, not just our experience with Mark Bird of the game, but also uh, the the she campaign. Um, so first of all, now that we are towards the end, do you guys have anything you would like to plug? Um, so I actually have Annalise's um, pulled up. Do you want me to read hers? Yeah, please. Okay. So Annalise, for those who do not know, is a fantastic artist. Um, you can follow her on Instagram at Annalise Torella Art. That one more time is Annalise Torella Art. How's that spelled? 
<laughs> Real quick, uh, no. A N N A L I E S E T O R E L L A A R T. Thank you. <laughs> that was fairly quick. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think she she started posting some new stuff on there, so go check that out. Um, Perfect. For myself, I am in a rock and roll band. <laughs> Um, and I was actually kind of musing a little bit about this yesterday. I was saying when we started this, we either had just dropped or were about to drop the first single from our album. Um, that album came out back in February. So it is a seven month old child now. It came out in the middle of a blizzard. It did come out in the middle of a blizzard. So there was nothing else to do but listen to it. Um, Well, thank you. We appreciate the many pennies we earned. I don't think it was even a penny. (laughs) Or the two pennies. Yeah, I was going to say, it it probably was maybe a penny and a half. We'll we'll be generous there. Um, But anyways, uh, we are called Northern Weather. Um, We're on all the socials. You can find us very easily. If you look on any of the streaming services, Bandcamp, um, that album is out. Um, I can say we are working on album number two already. We are writing like fiends. Um, Ah! We're not playing any more shows for the rest of the year, but we're going to be back at it next year. Hopefully with some not in the Northeast Ohio area, maybe coming to a town near you. Um, But that's a little ways away. So Ah, I won't give away too much. (laughs) Yeah. We were actually supposed to play Columbus. Um, Last weekend, and oh, really? uh, for various reasons, that did not work out, unfortunately. But uh-huh. maybe next year. Every I hope everyone so. tweeted I derailed so. what city you're in, so that northern what we- so northern hey, weather. There you yeah, go. Tell us where to go. A, uh, itinerary for this cross country tour, tour schedule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. But for real, follow us. Tell us where you want to see us. That would be a great thing. Um, the only thing I have to plug. So as I mentioned earlier, I have uh, switched jobs and I now work in uh, the nonprofit industry. Um, and it's just, uh, I think right now, more than ever, important to support your local nonprofits that are you know, out there doing work to make this country a better place. So whether it's donating money to an abortion fund or a bail fund, um, if it's volunteering on a weekend, it... Uh, at a shelter or you know a diaper bank um just do whatever you can to help make the lives of of other people better because uh that's the only way any of this work gets done so that's my plug is just go out there and and be a better person to make other people's lives even incrementally better every little bit adds up a very important plug indeed Um, well, this is the part of the show where I get to announce the next season of Fables around the table. Uh, and I am very excited because I will be running the next one again. (gasps) You guys have to put up with me some more. Oh, Oh, yeah. Um, Our next season of Fables Around the Table will be playing Rebels of the Outlaw Wastes, a game that's going to be kickstarting in the month of October by Nerdy Pup Games. Um, Nerdy Pup Games is the same publisher that did uh, The Curse of the House of Rookwood, which was our very first uh, Fables season. So we we love this company and we love supporting them and we're really excited to to do it. Rebels of the Outlaw Waste is a gonzo RPG about heroism, identity, and rebelling against the powers that be. 
If you like post-apocalyptic stories in the style of Tank Girl or The Fabulous Killjoys, this might be a game for you. Um, like I said, I'll be GMing the next game, and I'll be joined by Fable's regulars Fiona L.F. Kelly and Nick Yuraseva, and newcomer and friend of our Discord server, Mae Fox. Uh, so stay tuned and crank the volume on your signal. Fables around the table, brass, will be hitting the airwaves soon. Uh, let me do let me do the other derailed yep. plugs. Uh, if you like fables and everything you've you've heard here, uh, join our Patreon. You can find it on our website at projectderailed.com. There's a link to our Patreon there. If you'd like to get involved with our community, you can join our Discord server. You can also find a link to that in our show notes and also on the website. Um, if that's too much effort for you, something you can do to really support us is give the podcast a like and rating on Apple Music and Spotify. That helps us out way more than you could ever know. Um, thanks for listening. It's been a joy to finally put this year-long project to, to bed. Um, and we will see you next time on Fables Around the Table. Greetings and salutations, my friends! We've come through the cracks once again, keeping you up to date about our Rebels of the Waste. If nothing else, remember this. The moment you've dried up, you're forever gone from this world. If we pull something more impressive off, then that leads to better jobs later. Or we get the shit kicked out of us, and uh, we don't do this anymore, so... Honey, when have we actually got the shit kicked out of us? I mean, we come close, but like... Actually losing? Nah, I don't think so. I like those odds then. Let's do it. I thought that was a foregone conclusion. What awaits our daring outlaws? Find out on... Fables Around the Table. Brass. Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of, like, uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him, like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release, Miss Terry, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Remix, use the dragon filter, that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T-posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out Season 2 of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, do you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely. Didn't know at all the people. That was crazy. Holy fuck, Mike Mitchell! Why? Well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do 
Love bare naked ladies. Justin McElroy. Grab your tongue. Grab your tongue, and I want you to say Pirate born tongue. on a pirate ship. Bum on the pilot ship. You were born on a pilot shit? And many more. So check it out. But also, if you don't like bare naked ladies, we talk about them probably like a third of the time. So. Uh, yes. That's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. Back on Twirl, I was a nobody. I got teleported out here, and here I'm something. I'm somebody. The Voidfarer begins maneuvering towards this 200-meter-long space whale. To handle one of these, you need grit. Is that something you have? I'm a tiny little guy. Of course I got grit. If you tried anything, it would end very poorly for you. This alithid dreadnought warps away, accelerating to spell jamming speed as quickly as they arrive. Who the fuck? <laughs> what am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. I like that. We're crew. That is a natural one. <sighs> you send yourself sailing out the side of the ship, untethered. Oh. I'm putting a python into the ground. I'm wrapping my rope around it, and I'm jumping into the gravity well. <laughs> a gnome, a halfling, and a half-orc walk into a bar. I forget the middle part, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's in his lap. Climb aboard for Tales of the Voidfarer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, my consequences have actions. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. ProjectDerailed.com